Welcome back to the fourth episode of Let's Talk About It. This week, I have a very special guest. How are we doing, folks? He's the f- inaugural guest of this podcast, and I'm excited to have many more on. Today, we're going to be talking about his story with addiction and just like really his experiences with it. It fits along with the theme of the month, addiction in students and teenagers, but it also will go back to some common themes that we saw in the last episode. So I'll start off. How old are you and what grade are you in? I am 16 and I'm a junior. All right. And then second off, um, do you want to just get a quick rundown of your story? Like when did it start to what? And then really just some key points in your story. Yeah. So um, as I was growing up, maybe around the age of uh, three, my dad was a heavy alcoholic. And uh, over two year span, um, well, it starts off. I was three and, uh, you know, I was acting up a little bit, but I was a three-year-old and uh, my dad was drunk and he had uh, slapped me across the face. And when my mom came home, there was a a giant red handprint on my face. So um, I'd been taken to the hospital and uh, my dad was in jail for around a year, I believe. So I always missed out on that opportunity of having a dad when I was younger. But um, he came back into my life around the age of five, I want to say, and uh, we ended up moving to Connecticut due to uh, my mom getting a new job. And he continued drinking. Um, He never sobered up. And um, I think I was around the age of seven or eight when uh, we came home and he was blackout. And uh, we had to take him to the hospital and The doctor said that they were surprised he was still alive with the amount of alcohol he had consumed. Um, With his body weight, he should have been long dead. Um, After that incident, he put himself into rehab for around a year and a half. So again, I was missing out on that opportunity of having a father. And um, this all ties into my start of addiction because I never really saw a problem with it. Um, I was a kid. I was naive. I was clueless. And... um, during middle school, uh, hung out with the wrong crowd. Around seventh grade, I uh, started vaping. I tried weed for the first time. I started drinking, and um, that's really where it all started. All right, so would you say that you almost like at that young age, because seventh grade is obviously very young, how old were you, 12, 13? Yeah, I was 12, maybe turning 13 around the time I started. Yeah, exactly. So would you say that you almost underestimated the power of the substances that you were playing around with? And like, would you say that you almost did it to like look cooler for clout? Oh, most definitely. You know, um, like growing up in this day and age, it's like if you don't do what other people are doing, you don't feel like you fit in. So that being said, I, I just fell into peer pressure so quick and as I was getting addicted, I would keep telling people like, no, nah, I'm not addicted. I can stop. Like, I barely even do it. And as time went on, like, you know, things progressed and got out of hand. And um, it followed me all up until high school and even a little bit through high school. And you're a junior now, correct? Yeah. All right. And how long have you been clean for now? Um, I haven't drank or smoked in about four to five months. I'm very proud of you. That's very tough to do. It sounded like it was getting to be a problem, and I'm glad that you actually got over that. So back to like 
the real motives of it. Obviously, you had that traumatic experiences as a kid, which links in with the past episode, a common theme that we are seeing. So would you say that like addiction at this young age and like students and teenagers, it's not really from stress, but rather from sort of like family situation and trauma and I wouldn't say neglect, but just like poor family experiences in your earlier years. Well, yeah, you know, my mom was always heavy on the uh, the no drug, no drinking. Even if I was of age, she really didn't want me even like being around marijuana. And um, I don't think it was a lack of parenting. I think it was the fact that I just grew up in such a strange way and my parents controlled it to the best of their ability but um addiction is very powerful and i don't blame my dad um for everything that happened and he's still in my life to this day it's just you know kids find an excuse to do things um whether it's a genuine excuse or they're just trying to find a way to fit in and i feel like that follows with the past episode because um he was talking about how people are just like looking for a way to get into it and not looking for a way to get out. And it's not even a, uh, an afterthought. That's a really good point that a lot of people just don't really see it as a problem. And that's what you were saying earlier, how you just kept on telling people that were concerned about you, where it's like, you were just saying, it's not a problem. I can stop whenever I want, which I hear a lot from younger people with these addictions and it does become a problem later on because you don't want these things to progress and turn into addictions to harder drugs like cocaine or heroin because those are the things that we really don't understand the power of. That's what my brother was saying. And also something that he brought up was that he did it to impress a lot of people, which you did too. But he also said that it was a way almost as an escape where he could just not think about anything or sort of like get out of reality for a little bit and just live his own happy dreamland because he did grow up depressed. So do you almost have any experiences with that? Oh yeah, I can uh, I can definitely relate. Um, I'm diagnosed with depression and anxiety, uh, heavy anxiety. And I used to smoke maybe once or twice a day depending on how my day was laid out, how my schedule was. And um, it would just be like something for me to get away from it all. And uh, that is definitely not an excuse. And if you're listening to this and you do the same thing, I highly encourage you to try to find another out, whether it's sports, talking to friends, hanging out with friends, even like just something as simple as watching a movie. There are so many other ways to find out rather than falling into addiction, whether it's marijuana, nicotine, alcohol, or even heroin or cocaine. So obviously, I know that you are a friend of mine that you have been listening to the previous podcast episodes, which I do just want to say a quick thank you for that. It means a lot, especially from where you are right now. I hope that it was inspiring. But also, I just want to say, why did you feel the need to come onto the podcast today? Like, did you feel that it was just a special story to tell her that it would help you almost reconcile with your own problems? Well, um, it's a bit of both and an additional piece as well. Um Talking about it out loud, whether people know who I am or not, really does help. Um, getting it off your chest is something that is actually so empowering that a lot of us take for granted. Um, being able to talk to someone or even to 
do a podcast such as this uh really gives you the opportunity to let everything go and um once you let everything go you can start new and i felt a urge to come on here because although my story is not crazy exciting or the the worst thing that could possibly have happened um i feel as though people that have been in the same situation as me whether it's um alcoholic parents drug abusing parents or um even abusing any substance on your own um could just really relate and connect to the story that i have that's also what i really appreciate about your stories because it's not really the extremes like some of my family members it's something that is really just not too far off from everyday life because i mean we're in high school i'm sure that everybody listening has or has friends that have experimented with some substances and obviously there are going to be some people that overdo it as you were saying that's what happened to you and obviously you didn't intend to but you just neglected the problem and that's really where things will start to go wrong Fuck, that was a voice crack. yeah and um it's definitely a struggle um like as you said people around me do it I'm in high school. I have a lot of friends that uh, party and invite me to parties. And every once in a while, you know, I will fall short. But it's the way that you handle yourself after that and how you really just take accountability for what you did. And remember, like, I really don't want to go back to the place I was because I've come so far. And that's a really big thing in places like Alcoholics Anonymous, Al-Anon. It's about forgiveness for yourself because there's nobody to point fingers at with addiction. Obviously, there can be reasons that influenced it to occur, but addiction is a mental illness flat out, which is something that a lot of people do not understand. It's a common misconception that addiction is a choice, which it really isn't. And I'm sure that you can attest to that because it's not a like as I said previously, it's not a choice. It's just something that sort of sneaks up on you. All of a sudden, you think that you have control, and you're saying that you can stop. And then when you actually try to prove the people wrong, saying that, oh, no, you can't stop, it will bite you in the ass, and it will prove you wrong, and it'll make you look stupid, and you're going to feel bad about it. But it's really just something that you have to accept. And like you were saying, that idea of acceptance and just even when you were talking about your ability to talk about it and how it's um, underappreciated, that's something that I found with this podcast as well. And that's something that my brother found when I was talking with him and my dad as well. It's just that being able to talk about your story makes you realize how far you've grown, especially for the people in recovery or just post-recovery. It's something to be proud of being able to talk about it. Because although some people may be suffering and there may be a relapse here or there, you will realize that you are better than the person you were five months ago in your case. Yeah, and it's uh, it's like nobody tries to get addicted. It's not something you go out and say, hey, I'm going to go get addicted to this. Or, hey, I'm going to smoke weed and continue smoking every single day because that's what I want to do. No, it's... um. It's, it just happens. And I feel like that's why there's such a harsh stigma around addiction. Um, nobody plans out everything that they're going to do after their first time. Um, sometimes it kind of just unfolds slowly. 
And for others, it just picks up pace so quick you can't stop. And the stigma around addiction really is a, uh, a rough spot that hurts me personally because while I was addicted to those substances, um, my mom had found vapes in my room a couple of times. Um, she'd found weed in my room. She's seen a video of me drinking more than once. And every now and then, like, I'll go out with friends and it'll just be like, did you smoke? Did you drink? Why your eyes look uh, groggy? Why are you uh, slurring your words? And it's like, after that first experience she had, she was like, all right, it may not happen again. And then as it continually happened, she uh she put this label on me just like hanging over my head addict and i feel like that's such a traumatic thing for people trying to recover because if people don't see the person that they've turned into they'll just go back to the person that they were if they feel as though that's the same appreciation they're receiving that's actually a very good point because that's one thing as a family member of several addicts and having talked to my mom who had really gone through it more than I had. Something that she was saying was that um, she had always just this constant doubt that they were actually telling the truth and that they were being sober or that they were truly sober rather because addicts have a way of manipulating people so that they can get their way because with these more powerful substances, it does take control and it will change the way that you act so that you will just sort of strive to take care of it and your addiction to it, which is something that the person has no longer any control over. So when the person eventually does gain sobriety and earn that, when they are doubted and tested, it is really a big blow to the morale of the recovery process. So I do see how that is an issue, and I'm sorry that you had to go through that. Yeah, um, I feel as though so many people are just continually accused and accused and it's just not something you want to hear. It's like getting a bad grade on a test and you go in to take another one and your parents are like, you definitely failed it. Or a, rumors ha- a rumor breaks out about you and uh, it-, it wasn't true. And then somebody makes that same rumor. Now it's gone around twice and people are like, yeah, this kid's definitely doing something. Or if you get the gist of what I'm saying, it's just, it's almost like an unfair treatment. It's like they're putting you under them and uh it just doesn't feel good it doesn't feel um any way that somebody wants to be treated like the way that people act towards people going through the cycle of addiction it's not the way that somebody would treat somebody who has any other mental illness such as anxiety bipolar depression which is really something that i see an issue with And that's where I see the stigma most common. It's because people will put those labels on addicts and will point fingers for their actions where if somebody with depression were to stay in all day and not be productive, nobody would be pointing fingers at them and calling them lazy or saying that they're doing something wrong or that it's their fault, which is something that I have seen countless times with addicts. It's something that I think really needs to change. And that's the point of my project to shed light on the fact that it doesn't have to be that way and that it really shouldn't be that way. Do you have any words to attest to that? Um, I definitely see the idea of pointing fingers at people who are addicted but aren't trying to help themselves. Um, 
but don't do it in a harsh way. Support them and let them know that you have their back. Um, and that'll give them the motivation to seek help or even go to you for that exact same help, whether you are experienced with helping someone with it or not. Um, but if someone is seeking help with addiction, you got to support them. You can't just keep putting them down or keep accusing them because it just, it takes away the whole label of a friend. It, it cancels out that whole friendship. It just makes them feel so belittled by a friend that if they went to see a doctor or somebody that could genuinely help them that's within the profession that they're going to give them that same answer yeah and i actually have a funny story about this and i'm not sure if i mentioned in the last episode but it really goes along well with this conversation that we're having it's that when my brother was going through his dependency on marijuana my parents did find his weed and they tested him for it. They gave him a drug test that only applied for marijuana. And this is really where his downfall happened because the only thing tested was weed. That's the only thing that would show up on the test. So he decided to take his friends up on an offer that he was given several times in the past, which was to try cocaine. It was sort of his way to still get high and to prove his parents that he is sober while manipulating them into not seeing the truth. It's sort of the idea of not of there being a lack of support in the recovery process, which drives people to do even worse things, which is obviously like that's just one scenario that is very uncommon where people go from smoking weed to trying cocaine for the first time. But it's something that happened. Something that happened in a small town of Connecticut. It's something that nobody would expect. So it obviously does happen more than people would imagine. Yeah, and um, people say that marijuana is not addicting. And I, for one, can say personally, uh, being someone that said marijuana wasn't addicting, it most definitely is. And um, it takes you by surprise. You don't realize it. And... Um, that label of gateway drug on marijuana is a true label. Um, Although I never got past smoking marijuana, um, I definitely could see where others try to work their way around a drug test. You know, addiction is a very, uh, a very persuasive way to uh, lie to people that you love the most and really just destroy relationships. Um, As I said earlier about me and my dad, Um, his mother actually popped pills, uh, drank and smoked. And, um, you know, one time my dad came home and, uh, the bathroom door was locked. Um, and she was just, she was dead. Um, pills, marijuana, smoking, it all gets to you. It all catches up. And I guarantee that her first drug wasn't a pill. I guarantee it was something light such as tobacco, and then marijuana, and then the pills, along with drinking, and it just, it stacks up. It's like building a brick wall, brick at a time, and um, you just really can't control it unless you're looking for help. Yeah, that's something that is often seen in people's stories, where it's, they do progress into the more dangerous and more socially unacceptable drugs, because 
with the legality of alcohol, cigarettes, vapes, and now marijuana in many states, it's being viewed as socially acceptable and people are having this mindset that it can't harm. When in reality, those are the three that most people start with. And like you were saying, it doesn't just start with taking pills, taking opiates, and then nobody just starts off on cocaine or heroin. That's something that is progressively built up to throughout years of trauma and self-neglect and a loss of self-respect. And it's really what I see it as. It's really from a lack of support, which I could go on and on about how this stigma causes this and how there is no support for people with addictions. But I'm going to save that for another episode because I'm sure I'll say it again at some point. But do you have any final words for this podcast? Um, If you listen to the whole podcast, I want to say thank you, first of all. And as well as if you listen to the whole podcast, you may have related to some of the topics talked about today. And um, whether you know Connor, um, if you want to reach out to him for my number, um, he'll shoot me a text and just gladly let you know who I am. And I will be open to talking to you. Um, It's definitely something that's good to do. Even if you don't know me, I feel as though it's easier talking to someone you don't know because they're not going to judge you on it. They're going to be supportive and try to hear you out. And um, it's just, it's really good. It's really good to talk to someone. And that's the beauty of a podcast. You're not talking to anybody. You're talking to a microphone and staring at a wall. It's like nobody's judging you at all. Well, that's just my thoughts anyways. But I guess that will conclude this fourth episode of Let's Talk About It. I want to thank everybody for watching. I want to do a special thank you to my wonderful guest right here. He did a great job, and I'm hoping maybe not to be on the podcast again, but if you have anything else to share later in this year, I would be glad to have you back on. But anyways, follow the Instagram at Let's Talk About It. About It is spelled ABT2022 on Instagram. And join me again for a podcast with another interviewee. Ooh.